I absolutely love hearing stories like that. I love hearing kind of invite stories, being invited to church, how they got connected, you know, here at the Ridge, like why they started to come. I absolutely love those. So if you have one of those stories about like why you go to church here or how you got invited, I'd love to hear it sometime. I'll buy you a cup of coffee or something. Now, here's a little bit of my story, how my wife Abby and I ended up here at the Ridge. I haven't always been a pastor in church. I started here at the Ridge in 2014 as the Connections pastor. But before that, I worked at Charles Schwab as a stockbroker, which sounds a lot fancier than it actually is. And I also worked at Kroger, the grocery store, for a little while. Now, I did go to school to be a pastor, two schools, undergrad, seminary, and stuff like that. And I worked in church for a little while as well. But somewhere along the line, I kind of got tired of playing church. Can you relate to that? Like, I kind of got tired of, you know, people who were hypocritical or people who were a mess behind the curtain. And the reality is I I was one of those people too. Like I was kind of pretending a lot and I didn't really like who I was. And I never really stopped believing in Jesus. I never stopped going to church even. But I have to tell you, there was a period of time that like I was just going through the motions. My heart just wasn't in it. And a lot of that had to do with me. Actually, most of that had to do with me. My heart wasn't in it, not because of what anybody else did to me. It's easy to kind of blame other people, right? And it wasn't because of anything that God did or didn't do. It's kind of easy to blame God too. But it was really because I hadn't really fully committed. I hadn't fully like surrendered my life and kind of given all areas of my life over to Jesus. You know, I followed Jesus, but I wasn't really obeying Jesus. And during this season, I actually got to interact with some really incredible people. You know, one of the hazards of working in a church is you only interact with church people. I have to be pretty intentional with having relationships outside of like you. And so like when you work at a place like Charles Schwab, or you work at a place like Kroger, you interact with all sorts of people who don't believe what you believe, who don't look like you, who don't sound like you, who don't think like you. And I loved it. Like it was really refreshing. They were so honest. They're like, I don't believe in any of your junk. You know, I don't, I don't want to follow this Jesus, but I found myself having more conversations with Jesus than I ever had before. I talked to people about their relationships. I talked to people about peace and hope and joy and Jesus all the time because I believed just in my heart of hearts that they need Jesus just as much as I needed Jesus. And during this time, I'm, Jesus is kind of searching my heart and pulling me closer to him, and he pushed me to surrender, you know, all of those things that I hadn't more and more and more and more of who I am, and he challenged me to follow him no matter where he kind of called us to go, no matter what. And one day, I got a call about a job in Columbus, Indiana, at a church called The Ridge. Now, we're in a series that we're calling Why Church? And we've been talking about how the church fulfills these needs in our life that we have in a way that no one else can. Need for life change, the need for spiritual growth, the need for community and relationships, for opportunities to have a purpose to contribute to something better than ourselves, something greater. And today I want to talk about another area like that. But first I kind of want to answer this question. Why this church? There are a lot of amazing churches in Columbus. There are a lot of amazing churches in the world. So I've kind of been thinking through, like, why this church? I'd encourage you to think through the same question. Like, why this church? Maybe you just got dragged here by your mom today. That's a fair question. That's a fair answer to that. Now, here's, here's kind of my context on this. When I got this phone call, 
My wife, Abby, and I were actually pretty happy. We were pretty content. We were going to church in Indianapolis. We had good jobs. My son, Asher, was about to turn one. And I was kind of interested in being in church again, but I wasn't really pursuing that. So why this church? Why did we move to Columbus? Why did we start attending and serving at the Ridge? So here's my answer to this question. Because we want to do whatever it takes to reach our community for Christ. This is the vision here at the Ridge, to do whatever it takes to reach our community for Christ. See, here at the Ridge, we believe that Jesus is so important that we have this responsibility to do whatever it takes Whatever we can, short of sin, to follow in his footsteps, to love our community, to love our neighbor, to love our families and our friends and our enemies. See, we want to do whatever it takes to reach people right where they are. We want to be at a church that kind of removes barriers where people who don't like church, who don't want to go to church, who might have had bad experiences at church can come and interact with the hope of Jesus. And honestly, I don't want to serve or be or go to a church that doesn't want to do whatever it takes. I want to be a part of a place that seeks to love people, to respond to the way that God loves us by caring more about other people than we do ourselves. And that's kind of what the Ridge is all about. This is where I heard kind of this vision for the first time. I was in a coffee shop with Jerry Day, the former lead pastor, in a Starbucks in Indianapolis, and I got to hear him talk about doing whatever it takes. I think I got a mocha because I wasn't quite ready for him to know that I loved pumpkin spice lattes. Like that's like a second coffee conversation type of thing, not a first coffee conversation type of thing. And I got to hear him talk about this passion, this deep passion for doing whatever it takes and the whole history of the Ridge and why it matters and the way that the Ridge does what it does. And have you ever been in a moment where your heart kind of starts to race and you just feel it click? You just feel something. Maybe God, maybe the Holy Spirit inside of me going like, hey, pay attention, listen up, this is for you. Like that was what that moment was for me. I'll remember that for the rest of my life. And see, the reality is, as Jerry was talking, as I'm talking today, everything we do here at the Ridge is done with people who don't go to church or who might not like church in mind. I mean, so much so that the words that we use, we want to make sure that people understand what we're talking about. We want to make sure that we're not just you know using confusing language and pretend that you know the secret code. You know, we try to sing songs in a style that might be familiar. We try to have irresistible environments for our kids so that they're dragging us to church, not the opposite. You know, we want people to feel welcomed even before they get here. I mean, the parking lot, you know, the landscaping, the website, social media, online campus, all of these ways to do whatever it takes to reach our community for Christ. And we, actually I, affectionately have a name for the person who doesn't go to church. And not like a name, you know, like a bad name, you know. I call the person who don't, doesn't go to church, Pete. And I know that sounds weird, but here's why. Because I like to say this. We are a church who wants to do whatever it takes for Pete's sake. I mean, it's 100% because it's a dad joke. That's the only reason we call him Pete at all. Like, if you know anything about me, you know, you're like, that tracks. Like, that tracks. That's you. That's But why the Ridge? Why do I attend? Why do I work at this church? Why do I care about Pete? Because I want to join God in doing whatever it takes to reach our community for Christ. I want to be a part of a church where people can find the hope of Jesus. Are you with me? I want to be a part of a church where lives are changed. I want to be a part of a church where people grow. 
I want to be a part of a church where people connect in community and maybe they have opportunities to have relationships that they never had before and love one another in a way they never have done before. Or maybe had forgiven somebody in a way they never have done before to be contributors in a consumer world. And I want you to hear me. We do not do this perfectly here at The Ridge. That's one of our values. We say we aren't perfect, but we will be real. And I'm being real with you. We don't have it all figured out. We mess up. I mess up. I fall short. If you haven't been hurt by the ridge, give us a little bit of time. Like we can maybe figure out a way. Okay. But the reality is we want to be a place that Jesus shows up. We want to be a part of a people that is pointing people to Jesus. And I believe that Jesus wants people to understand who he is that he wants to draw people into relationship with him, and that he he's a whatever-it-takes type of Jesus, right? Like he dedicated his entire life, his death, he rose again on the third day because God is a whatever-it-takes type of God. So it's kind of thinking, well, what story could we talk about, could we tell today that's a whatever-it-takes type of story? Like we could go to Easter, right, and the cross and all that, that's true. But here's a story that Jesus told. It's a parable called the parable of the lost sheep, one of my favorite stories in the Bible. It's Luke 15. And a parable is a story with a point. So if you've got your Bible app on your phone, or you want to grab the kind of the Ridge uh, app, you can follow along in there. But when you read a parable, and we read this one in Luke 15, it's important to understand, okay, who are the characters? Like what point is Jesus trying to get across? So be thinking about that as we read this story. Check this out. This is Luke 15, starting in verse one. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. I love the phrase notorious sinners. Like what a fun phrase. I mean, it would be an amazing rap name, right? The notorious S-I-N or something like that. Like, who do you think of when it comes to notorious sinners? Do you think of like, you know, comic book character, you know, something like that? Maybe you go old school and you think of Darth Vader, you know, and stuff like that. Or is there somebody in your life that came to mind? You know, there's somebody who's like, you know, they can't get their life together. They're a mess. Their life is a mess. Like maybe they're with you. Don't look at them. It's okay. Just blink at me and we can, we can, we can figure it out. Okay. See, Jesus is hanging out with these notorious sinners. He even calls one out, the tax collectors. Now we think, what's wrong with hanging out with an accountant? Like they're kind of boring, but why, why is that a big deal? But in biblical times, tax collectors were traitors. They used their position, their influence to cheat and to steal from their neighbors, from their people, from the people of God, really, they were given this power by the Roman Empire and they, they kind of used it for evil. And this is who Jesus is hanging out with. He's hanging out with thieves. He's hanging out with people who burden other people, tax collectors, notorious sinners. Everybody knew these people were the worst of the worst. And if we saw somebody doing this, if we saw somebody in our lives hanging out with somebody that is like, you know, the person that everybody talks behind their back, we probably react like the religious teachers of the day, the Pharisees. This is what, this is what happened. Check this out in verse two. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that Jesus was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. I have this in my head like, <gasps> eating with them. Oh no. Why is that a big deal? Like, would you eat with a notorious sinner? I think our answer to that is, well, it depends on what they're serving, right? <laughs> like sushi? Yeah, I'm in. Like, I don't know. I don't know what it might be for you. 
But why is this important? Well, the reality is this is showing that Jesus is more than just casual acquaintances with these people. Jesus knows them by name. He knows a lot about them. He spends a lot of time with them. They're his friends. We, we wouldn't necessarily think, okay, well, that's okay. Like if we saw somebody interacting with somebody like this, we'd be like, hey, you gotta be, you gotta be careful. And it's not even that's an entirely untrue. But Jesus is interacting with people who need him. And so, verse three, he tells this story. And he's interacting with both of these groups of people. He's interacting with the Pharisees, the, the religious teachers who are like, oh, Jesus, Shouldn't be doing that. And then he's interacting with these notorious sinners, these people who don't even get the time of day. And he starts to tell the story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? See, this is kind of the parable. It's the start of the parable story with a point. When you read a parable, think about who the characters represent. And in this parable, the shepherd represents God. So God takes the initiative. He leaves the 99 sheep that are safe and that are sound and are cared for to find the one sheep that is lost, that's missing. And this would actually be normal practice for shepherds. Their job was to have every sheep accounted for. So they'd kind of put the, the 99 kind of in a safe place and then they'd go look for the one. And so people listening would understand this is how valuable each individual individual sheep is. So the shepherd looks and keeps searching and keeps searching. Now, I am notoriously bad at searching, like epically bad. Like for you mothers out there, happy Mother's Day. If you're a part of the search and rescue part of your family, like you're amazing. I ask my wife, Abby, every single day where something is. It is always right in front of my face always, like bar none. The other day I asked Abby where my wallet was. Now the funny thing about that is my wallet is connected to my phone like it's in the same thing. I have an Apple watch and I could ding my phone to find where it is, but I still chose to ask Abby where it was. See, I am very bad at searching for things, but this shepherd, he searches until he finds the sheep. He doesn't give up. He doesn't stop. He's relentless, maybe reckless even, like we were singing about earlier. He leaves the 99, the other sheep, to go find the one who's not there. But this shows how valuable that sheep is to the shepherd. And check this out, verse 5. And when he has found it, the shepherd, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors, and they're going to party. He's saying, rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. God rejoices so much so that even though he's carrying the burden, right, he scoops up the sheep and he's walking the sheep back to safety. He's the one who's joyful. He's going to throw a party. I mean, the base is going to be bumping. It's going to be awesome. Who throws a party for something who's lost? Have you ever lost something really important and then you found it again? One time, when my son Asher was six, Abby and I momentarily lost him in SeaWorld in Orlando. Have you ever been there? Have you ever lost somebody in a place like that? It's a little scary. So we'd gone to visit my brother. He lives with his family in Florida and it was 
the kind of, you know, the end of the day and we're doing the walk out of an amusement park. Have you ever walked, people walk in and they're all happy and they walk out and they walk like this because they're so tired, <laughs> right? And so we were, we were kind of pushing the, the stroller and doing all that type of stuff. And my wife, Abby, and I decided to kind of divide and conquer like you do. Like, so I'm going to go get the van and she's going to keep walking. But somewhere in there, and I don't think it's anybody's fault, just Asher wandered away for some reason. And I got to the van and I got this phone call from Abby and it said, hey, is Asher with you? I'm like, uh, no. Is he with you? And you can kind of feel the panic. I couldn't see her face, but like, you know somebody well enough that it's like, oh no. And you get incredibly creative when you're in a situation like that. We're like, okay, he's gone. Somebody took him. You know, like this is, you know, Amber Alert type of situation. Like we got to figure this out. Or he's like swimming with dolphins and he shouldn't be. Like one of those two. It's one of those two things. Now, I mean, it was like two minutes later. We find Asher. Don't worry. He's still not wandering around SeaWorld aimlessly. Like he, he came back. But I have to tell you, the joy that Abby and I felt in that moment was pretty epic. It was pretty big. I think Abby still would be hugging my son Asher if he would let her. But now he's 10 and he doesn't want to do that anymore, right? But the joy you feel in a moment where you found something that was lost is just a glimmer, just a speck of the type of rejoicing that God has when someone who is lost without him is found. So the shepherd represents God and the 99 represent people who already follow God, have already been saved. Like the religious teachers that Jesus is talking to are his disciples, probably like some of us today, we'd probably maybe identify as a 99er. Now, the one represents people who still need Jesus, who still need to follow him, who haven't decided that he is who he says he is. They haven't decided to follow Jesus. So I'd encourage you, I mean, which sheep are you? Are you the one? Are you the 99? And this parable is saying there is more joy in heaven when someone turns to Jesus than if 99 believers keep on believing. Why? Well, this is really, I think this is really the point. This is really why this matters. This is why we are a church that is built around doing whatever it takes to reach our community for Christ. Here it is. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. That's what he's all about. This is the good news. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. And if you believe in Jesus and if you follow him, we have this opportunity to be a part of the party when people who follow Jesus come. Because we know how good it is. We know how much his love changes our lives, how sweet it is, how important it is. So which sheep are you? Are you a 99er or are you a oneer? See, because when Jesus is telling the story, he's telling the story to the religious teachers, right? The Pharisees. And these are the people who are grumbling and are mumbling. And they don't like what Jesus is all about. They're definitely not celebrating with him. Check this out, verse 7. Check this out. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven, like we just said, over one lost sinner, one lost sheep who repents and returns to God than over, not just 99, all of over 99 others who are righteous, who do what is right, who are following God in the way they should and haven't strayed away. See, listen, it's easy for 99ers like me to get confused on this. Jesus isn't any less loving to the 99ers. 
He loves people who follow him. And these religious teachers were mortified that he was interacting with people who needed him, those notorious sinners. And as a 99er, we forget that we were lost. We forget that we sometimes wander away. We forget we need his grace just as much today as we did the day that we were found, just as much as the day before we were found. So what can we learn from this as somebody who identifies as a 99er? See, we have a choice. We can celebrate and we can join in the search. Or we can grumble. And I have to admit to you, I often choose grumbling rather than celebrating what Jesus is doing. It's easy to get down in the grumble, isn't it? It's easy to see the things you don't like. It's easy to say out loud, well, why didn't you? How come? But Jesus is seeking and saving the lost. Now, maybe you identify more without one lost sheep. And if you're the one, you're in good company. And you might be thinking, hey, man, I don't feel like a notorious sinner or so. Like, I'm not a project. I'm not a goal. And you're right. You're not a project. You're not a goal. You're a person. Here at the Ridge, we have a church value that says nothing matters if people don't matter. And I believe you matter. And you might think, I'm not a one I'm not a 99-er. I'm like a 91-er. Like I'm somewhere in the middle. And while I'm not lost, I don't really follow Jesus or I need help and I don't know what I think. And my hope for you is at the Ridge, no matter where you're at, you feel welcomed and you feel loved. And you can come and learn about Jesus and be challenged to follow him and figure out what you believe. Because I believe Jesus loves you so much that he died for you on the cross. But I want you to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus came to seek and save all of us. We were all lost at one point, whether you're a 99er or you're a one-er or you're somewhere in between. And if you don't follow Jesus, he's searching for you right now. That's why we do what we do here at the Ridge. We want to do whatever it takes to reach our community for Christ. We want to do whatever it takes to join the search party. Why? Because Jesus did it for us. I'm the one too. We can be two things at the same time. I'm lost sometimes, and I need Jesus just as much as you do. And I'm so thankful that Jesus loves me, and I'm so thankful that Jesus loves you. No matter what you think of yourself, no matter what you've done, no matter how how much you fall short of what you think you should be or what you think God wants you to be, no matter what, he loves you. If you call yourself a notorious sinner, if other people call you a notorious sinner, if in your heart of hearts you're like, you just don't even understand, you're right, but Jesus does. And we're all notorious sinners, by the way. You matter to him. And if you've wandered away like a sheep, you matter to him. And if you want to talk to somebody about what it means to follow Jesus and what it means to take your next step and what it means to be baptized, to publicly confess that, yeah, I I am following you. I'll be down here. Other people will be down here. We can talk to you about that. And my promise is when you surrender your life to Jesus, we will rejoice with you. Heaven will rejoice with you because that's what Jesus is all about, seeking and saving those who are lost, which is all of us. Because sometimes I relate to the 99, but in reality, most of the time I relate to the one. 
And I believe God sends the 99 who follow Jesus to help the one who doesn't follow Jesus. That's what it's called to be the church. Check this out. This is 1 Peter 3, 15 through 16. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. That means you surrendered everything to Jesus. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, why you are the way you are, always be ready to explain it. Talk about it. Share it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see, and I love this, what a good life you live. Why? Because you belong to Christ. We get to be part of the search party. We get to be part of what God is doing to seek and save the lost. And here's what's cool. We don't do the seeking. We don't do the saving. We just get to be a part of it. That's what Jesus has done on the cross. We get to share the hope we have as a believer. We get to explain, well, why does church matter in our lives? And I believe that there is someone in your life right now who deeply, desperately needs the hope of Jesus. So I've got a question for you. Who is your Pete? I almost said, who's your Pete? Like H-O-O-S-I-E-R. But they said, no one will understand what you're talking about. And there's restraint every once in a while. Who's your Pete? Because I believe every single one of us have somebody in our lives who needs the hope of Jesus. Not a project, not somebody that we're trying to trick, a family member, a neighbor, a coworker, somebody that we love who needs the hope of Jesus. And we at the Ridge want to do whatever it takes to reach our community for Christ, for Pete's sake. So what does that mean? Who is your Pete? Do you have somebody coming to mind? I would encourage you, don't leave kind of this space together without identifying who that person might be in your life. And maybe you're like, I'm the Pete. I would love to talk to you. But my hope is every single person who calls the Ridge their church home can identify somebody who is their Pete. So you've identified him. You're like, okay, I know, I know who Pete is in my life. Here are three things that you can do. First, you can pray for Pete. Every single day, just like you would in your own life. Pray for his life, pray for his kids, pray for his family, his work, his finances, his spiritual life, whatever. Pray for Pete to know Jesus. Pray for Pete to come to church, to be open to spiritual things. And if you don't have a Pete, pray for God to identify a Pete for you. That's the first thing you can pray. Here's the second thing. You can just share. Share your life. Share what you like. Have a relationship It's not a project, like we said. Not just the easy stuff, but the hard stuff. Talk to Pete. Share life. Spend time together. The difficult stuff, your faith, why you believe what you believe, why you go to church, why he doesn't go to church, why he doesn't like it, the bad experiences. I mean, dig down in there. Pray for Pete. Share life with Pete. And here's the third one. Invite Pete. This could mean invite Pete into a relationship with Jesus or invite Pete to church. Seven out of 10 people who don't go to church say they've never been invited to church. If you don't invite Pete, who's going to invite him? Inviting someone to church could be the most life-changing invitation that they would ever receive because they might interact with Jesus 
in a new way. So think about it. You might be inviting someone to a place where they belong, a place that they feel loved like they never have before, and you get to be a part of it. Would you rejoice? I bet you would. And that's why this church is so important to me. As we join in what God is doing to seek those who need him, we get to fulfill this need, this purpose as a church. We get to do whatever it takes to reach our community for Christ. And other churches might say it different ways, but they're doing this too. I get it. It's hard to live this out. It's hard to invite somebody and they might say no. It feels weird. Maybe it feels confrontative. But only 2% of people who say they regularly go to church will also invite someone to church. 2%. It's an abnormal thing. But inviting someone to church is actually a way that we live out this love for God. When we say why church, it's not primarily about us. It's about Jesus, and it's about people who need Jesus. Our love for God is so significant, we can't help but invite everybody around us. It's like, I believe Jesus is so important, I'd like to introduce you to him. So, who is your Pete? Because we can pray for them and we can share life together and we can't not invite them if we love them, double negative intended. And I personally believe at the Ridge that if everybody here consistently invited people to church, that it would fundamentally change our communities. It would fundamentally change our families, change our relationships, not because the Ridge is anything special, but because we're trying our best to point people to the Jesus who will change everything, who changes lives, who gives hope, who gives peace. That's what it means to do whatever it takes to reach our community for Christ. I need Jesus. You need Jesus. Our friends, our families, our neighbors, our coworkers need Jesus. Pete needs Jesus. So I tell you what, let's do whatever it takes to reach our community for Christ because Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. I'd like to pray for us. Heavenly Father, I fall so short in this, I mean, the reality is it is sometimes confusing or intimidating to invite somebody. So I ask that you bring someone to mind right now for all of us, like that, that Pete person who doesn't like church or doesn't go to church or doesn't care about any of this. Because we believe that you love that person so much, God, that you sent Jesus to die on the cross to save them because you love them so much. And you're searching and you're seeking and you're asking us to be a part of the search party. And I just ask for your help in that. We surrender that. Give us the strength as a church. Give us the strength as individuals, as families to join you in doing whatever it takes to reach our community for Christ. You've done whatever it takes for us. You've loved us perfectly, fully, in ways that we see, in ways that we don't, you help us through, you guide us through, you love us so much. Help us respond to that love. Help us hear that call and say, you know what, God, I don't even fully understand it. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but you bet I'm going to go. You bet I'm going to invite. You bet I'm going to serve. You bet I'm going to be a part of it. Why, church? Because you love us so much. You sent Jesus, and we're going to say, here I am, God. I'm here. 
want to follow you. Send me. I want to be a part of it. It's because of Jesus that we pray today. Amen.